Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I am Andrew. I'm Gary. Right. You're gonna have to stop. I'm David. This right has become now. this has become a I thing for you, and it's got to. Everybody like this thing. likes nope. the So Many Sequels yeah, theme. You know yeah, what? but they don't you know like the you thing? humming it. You know it's an earworm. You let the person who sings the song sing the song, not you. There's no word. <laughs> I know. It's the closest to an example that I had. So this week, I'm going to be up front with everybody here. This movie's a mistake. <laughs> we made a mistake by watching it. We made a mistake by agreeing to review it. We made a mistake by not pretending Superman's series ended at Superman the movie. <laughs> this is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. We didn't find it. No one found peace. No. Who's uh, The Quest for Shit? We found that. Well, they certainly found a lot of that. And the alternate title was The Quest for Plot. So, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace came out in 1987. Yeah. It is based on a story by Christopher Reeve, uh, along with Lawrence Connor and Mark Rosenthal. Those two wrote the screenplay, I guess. You know, sometimes a good actor doesn't necessarily mean you're a good writer. No. <laughs> and I think, I think this is a bad movie. Uh, anyway... Uh, this movie is hard to explain. Gene, Gene Hackman is back. Margot Kidder is back in a more full-time role. Uh, this time we get the added allure of John Cryer in his, uh, basically his ducky days. Something we all needed, for real. Like, well, let's discuss. Like, we, he, we needed John him there. Yeah. We, we, we needed a better version of Every movie may, is made better with John Cryer. It's just a proven fact. Uh, in this film, Superman is uh, inspired by a child to destroy all of the world's nuclear weapons because that is the only way humans have ever fought and it will bring world peace <laughs> if one type of weapon is gone. And meanwhile, Lex Luthor and his nephew Lenny, because sure, <laughs> Lenny John Cryer, yeah. are escaping, well, he's helping Lex escape prison where they're going to use nuclear power and a piece of Superman's hair to create Nuclear Man, which is the anti-Superman, and everything I just said is remarkably stupid, and I fault none of you. I fault none of you for turning this off right now. I feel like you haven't really said the stupidest bits. No, I haven't. I'm just trying to give the overview. Uh, but I do. I wanted. I forgot. I wanted to at the front of this say that we're. I don't know if we sound any different or not. We're in a, a studio this time. We're in the Soundstooth Studio. That's We've right. We've talked about them several yeah. times on past episodes. They're a group of local creators here in in Oklahoma in Tulsa. And they have kindly allowed us to step into their studios today uh, to record this episode. Yeah. So we're very happy for that, and I hope it sounds really good to the people who listen to this. They's good yeah. people. Okay. Yeah. On that note, uh, everybody give their one-word review of Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. To quote... Better the, not be peace. No. <laughs> to quote the... Uh, There's a shit. <laughs> to quote the, uh, the subway conductor falling over ill... Ooh. <laughs> oh, how am I going to spell that in the social graphic? <laughs> I think a lot of oohs, a lot of O's and a lot of U's. I said like a sound. My word is cheap. Cheap. The word, the movie is cheap in every fashion. Cheap effects, cheap story, cheap laughs. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say misguided. That's a good one. That's like the most complimentary word I can think of. This Garrett, bad. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just hoping we could be a little more colorful than no, that. Straight I'm bad. straight up honest with you. Okay, okay, okay. Give, you get a, you get a hundred from me. It's bad. Hundo P, as the kids say. It's bad. Sure, sure. I get that. Some kids. Um, the cool ones. Goodness, where do we begin? I, you know, normally we would talk about our favorite parts. I don't think anyone had a favorite. Let's just let's just start at the end. Okay, you want to go to the end? This is different. You want to start right to the finish. Yeah, okay. like next week we're going to be reviewing Superman Returns. Oh man, like everyone's going to love Superman Returns after this. Oh yeah, and and the previous. It's going to be a wonder why the series didn't continue with Brandon Routh compared to what it left off with. Yeah, go so ahead, just, Garrett. What yeah. do you think about this ending? No, I was just I just meant let's end the podcast. Oh, like, oh, like, oh I, not okay. at the end of the movie. End of vote? the podcast. Yeah, like <laughs> Show let's just vote on where we're at. No, so. I think a couple, for me, I think a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember, I think it was uh, Superman 2, I talked about how I really like the idea of bringing back Lex Luthor and, and implementing that idea in current superhero movies because you don't do that. Every time it's a new bad guy, it's a new bad guy. When in reality, in comic books, they fight the same bad guys over and over again. Okay, mm -hmm. three Lex Luthers and one watered-down version of Lex Luthor is a bad idea. Like, Superman... I don't know any other villains Are you calling outside. Nuclear Man the third Lex? No, he's no calling I'm calling Mr. Daddy Warbucks, Warbucks from the oh, third one. Warfield. War Daddy Warfield. War Field. No, no, that was, that was oh, so whoever was in the third one. Oh, we're talking about a different movie. Yeah. yeah. Webster from the third movie. So okay. they, uh, 
they brought him back too many times. He Superman has other villains. I can't name one right off the top of my head because I don't like Superman oh, that really much. You could. No, I don't like Superman that much. So I don't know any of their other villains. Doc Ock, but that's no. <laughs> so, but to have just rely on Lex Luthor was a bad idea to bring him back in every movie, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Andrew, how did you feel about Lex Luthor? Do you get tired of him for well? We didn't really get him for four movies, but we got him for three, and that's enough. Yeah, no, we got we got a bastardized version of him. No, I I, I agree. Like like Lex Luthor, it, it gets to the point where these movies are just getting repetitive now, and Lex Luthor, they they really needed to find like a a genuinely, I don't know, a believable believable villain rather than Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor just overplayed himself. It, the same friggin' thing happens over and over again in yeah. these in the three times you see him. He tries to hatch like a world plot. He gets thrown in jail. Well, I guess he's not very smart after all. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, David, as the Superman aficionado, who do you think would have been a better villain from Superman lore to incorporate? Not Maybe not just in this movie, but anywhere in the series. Oh. But let's think about this movie. In this movie? I, I would assume you, you wouldn't have done Lex Luthor... More than once, anyway. Probably let's not. say let's say you were hired to direct Superman four, right. knowing the crap that came before. What do you do to differentiate it, pulling from Superman mythology? Oh, it's it's Brainiac. Okay, like it wouldn't have really made. I don't think like they would have saved the movie because you're still dealing with I think eighties level uh, special effects. It still would have seemed like a really cheesy sci fi movie, but. It's at least an original concept. Brainiac is a character that uh, basically exists to destroy and collect worlds, essentially. And he attacks Krypton. Is he Thanos then? He's like he's Thanos-ish, like like you know. He's not the he's not quite the exact same because he's more uh, he he's for the most part emotionless. Is his sidekick Pinky? It is not. Okay, (laughs) but. But Brainiac's a character that plays on this sort of concept that if Superman is all about life, Brainiac's kind of on the opposite end. He's about death, whereas uh, he doesn't necessarily enjoy killing. He just views it as every species is uh, ripe to reach its potential, and when it does, I will come and I will collect. He is 100% Thanos. I will come and I will collect a sample of it, and I will... Uh, add it to my it's kind of like the board add it to my collective knowledge and then i'm gonna and then i'll destroy the rest of the planet he's essentially uh, a hodgepodge of various sci-fi tropes that you've heard a billion times but he would at least be a threat worthy of superman beyond lex Luthor, who superman's already beaten Okay. In these in the in these three films, so uh, you know, two and a half films. Hearing that, the the rest of us being not Superman uh, knowledgeable, I guess. Do you guys think that that would have been a better idea? Yes. A different villain, Brainiac in particular. Does that sound better? Mm-hmm. I think it does on paper. I don't think it does in execution of these Superman movies, only because. That sounds like it would be dark, and yeah. none of these movies are dark. And like uh-huh. they should have changed it up, but if I'm going to keep it in consistency with all of these other ones, they're very goofy. And even in this movie, there's a like I was excited to see something that was kind of violent. Whenever John Cryer showed up and he trapped those cops in that car and drove it off, drove it off the edge of the quarry, I was like, oh my goodness, that's the first time like any kind of real damage has been done to a human. And then, it was and then they <laughs> then they popped up all dusty and was like, <laughs> so that immediately ended that. So like none of that, like as good as that sounds like an idea, oh, it yeah. wouldn't have fit with this movie. Otherwise, he would have just been like, I don't know, Star Trekking them in out of existence, where oh, they exactly. just kind of go, and, and that's then they're what poofed I, out of existence. And that's why I say like that's obviously if if I had my way, and if I had like today's level, like. Uh, special effects today's right. level uh, sort of caliber of like how s- I don't I don't want to say seriously superhero films are taken these days but like there's a certain level of like these are like the serious blockbuster of the day Superman f- by this point is like just a bad campy show like it's just like you I don't think any villain would have made this better um, clearly what they were inspired to do was something referencing Bizarro but I 
I guess maybe they thought the plot that you would need to introduce Bizarro was too complicated because Bizarro comes from an alternate dimension where super where everything's backwards. And they wanted an anti-Superman, but they thought they could create a better version, I guess, uh, of doing that. So they created this nuclear man uh, henchman for Lex Luthor, who at the very least is uh, can fight Superman, which is something Superman has not had in any of these films, which is something to fight. Not true. He fought himself. He did fight himself, which was better than the, the, this movie. It was more. It was better executed. I, I think. I enjoy his internal struggle in Superman three fighting himself more than I enjoyed it, most of this film. Yeah. So let's um, talk about plot a little bit. You mentioned plot, <laughs> the little uh, plot, and how that this is. <laughs> Andrew had cracked that this was more of the search or the quest for plot. Or did, was it David? Somebody David, did that David made I said the quest well, for I was shit. Give it, yeah, I was going to give Andrew credit for it. Yeah, he deserved um, it. <laughs> so this story, as we I mentioned at the top, was conceived by um, Christopher Reeve, who then had help writing it out. Um, I think he was on to what something. What went wrong? Well, I think he was on to something, but yeah. I don't think he's a writer. I think the writers should have been able to fill in the holes. I think they, they did. did. Oh, I don't think they did. I there were too many holes. How can you fill in the, the holes thing, if the there's thing. that many holes? He wrote, no. he wrote the story. And I think, this right. is going to be my hot, I'm just going to jump right to a hot take. I think there's a story here that's actually pretty good. That's what I but just said. But much like Superman 2, it's executed horribly. And so I have to believe that Christopher Reese sat down and said, I want to tell a story about Superman uh Stopping new, you know, stopping nuclear proliferation. You know, proliferation. Yeah, you say it for me. words. And um, and that's a really noble concept for a movie. And then he also is introducing, I mean, a lot of high concepts into the movie. And then he goes, okay, but that's my idea. And they go, okay, well, that's not long enough. So we're gonna have to pad it out with some stuff. And then he handed it. And then so some screenwriters came in. They took over, and they add like a whole bunch of BS, like a whole like. Fred Flintstone water buffalo lodge gag and a uh, bunch of nonsense fighting on the moon. I have to. I don't think. I. I. I get. I kind of got a good feeling. Chris Reeve didn't come up with a single bit of that nuclear man storyline. It's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot we don't know. Um, I, I. I read up on the the movie's Wikipedia page, and there is. It's probably the least filled out of all the movies. I just don't think there's a lot said about it. Maybe if there was an audio commentary, it would say more. Internet research. I, I saw, and I think David saw this too. That uh, according to John Cryer, Christopher Reeve actually told him ahead of the premiere, "This is going to be so bad." Mm-hmm. So, so Reeve was aware, if you believe Cryer's story, that the movie was not good. Yeah. I wonder at what point he decided that. I wonder if he saw an early cut before the premiere yeah. and went, "Oh no!" Listen, yeah. Cryer said that that Christopher Reeve told him that. The director was essentially putting up an unfinished film for yeah. the premiere. It felt, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It really felt very unfinished. I felt like, I mean, but the other, th- but the other thing is, is that like there was, I think there was budget issues. I think they were spending yes. too much money. I did read that, and they were just. I think they were probably in a crunch for time. They were like, we can't reshoot this. We just have to. We just have to edit it the way it is. And here's a question for the crowd. On on that note. Um, one of the things I saw was that one, one of the more notable instances of this movie was made very cheaply was the scene where Superman walks through the streets of Manhattan to go to the United Nations was actually filmed in a small town in the United Kingdom that everyone thought looked nothing like Manhattan. Did anyone notice anything off about that? I didn't pay enough attention to care. Fair, I was kind of fair yeah, response. I, I kind did, of zoned I, out. So apparently Reeve begged and begged and begged to to film the scene in New York because he said, you know, if this was Superman 1, we would have had the street blocked off. We would have had hundreds of extras gawking at Superman as he walks down the middle of 42nd Street up to the United Nations, but they just wouldn't do it, and they got this poor version, which is down a street of a small town that looks nothing like Manhattan with a handful of extras versus how it should have been done. Mm-hmm. And it was moments like that where I think the cheapness shines through maybe if we were paying better attention. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those where, like, after Superman 3, how do you even think a Superman 4 is a good idea? Like, you, I don't want to get into it too deep, David, but did this movie make money back? No. So no. There's did, a good tease for later. Did Superman 3 make money back? Maybe. May, I, think, I can't remember, I but th- maybe. I think it was. I'll have to look. Because even if it did, if it wasn't enough, 
to to think like come on man eat it and just move on with your lives I, I think I think that was one of the things that people get a misconception about Superman 3 that even though it was a critical disaster it still made money at the box office it still made enough I think it's made it made enough to qualify as a quote unquote hit I don't know about a hit but it definitely I mean it finished um, to, to, to pace out its budget let me let me I can go back and look at Superman 3 real quick um, Superman 3 made enough to uh, made 59 million in its total haul. It only released in the United States and the United Kingdom. But it was the 12th best movie of 1983, I say best, highest grossing movie of 1983. Mm. So I mean, if that if if you're content you go like, "Oh, we're in the top 20 highest grossing films." If that's the kind of thing they even cared about that much back then. Yeah. I don't know how much box office revenue cared, mattered to them back then and i i don't have a hang on do i have the budget here i don't have a copy of the budget with okay me. that's fine uh i one thing to keep in mind that that isn't apparent unless you do some digging is that after superman 3 was met with mixed to negative results uh the su- the superman film rights were actually sold to new producers. So this film was made with new producers, still under Warner Brothers, but new producers, new director, new basically everyone at the helm, who yet, were, yet somehow still bad at this. Who were, who were clearly tripping on acid. Right. This one was not Richard Lester. I think it might have actually been a little better, even if it was still bad, because he he did at least know how to lean into his poor comedy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a different producing team, different director. Who, uh, Sydney uh, Fury, Fury, who actually won the BAFTA Award and the uh, Palm, what is it called? The Palm Door? Yeah, in oh, 1964. Congratulations to him. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He, uh... What a fall from grace that is. It's it's a weird twist of fate because, like... Yeah, he won a BAFTA Film Award and was not... Oh, and he was nominated for the Palm Door, sorry, for his work on uh, the Ipcris Ip, Ip File. Starring Michael Caine you know, oh. in the 1960s. It, and then it, he moved on to this. It's it's funny you mention that because, like, uh, Roland Joffe, you probably don't know who that is. We've lost half our listeners. No. <laughs> we, we, we got film nerds. Uh, <laughs> he won uh, he won the Palm Door for the mission and turned right around and directed. And he directed uh, Super Mario Brothers, which is fantastically bad. Yeah. I just you should have stopped at fantastic. You know what? You on, a, on that note, real quick. <laughs> That's something. Super, Super Mario Brothers is a movie. I think we need to find a way to to do. I would love to do. There's Super no Mario sequel, Brothers. but we need to do this movie. Yeah, we could just, listen. We, if we you, should know we should do that for, as part of the Halloween. Maybe? It's not a Halloween movie. People maybe, dress but, as Mario and Luigi for Halloween. Sure, and why if, not? if you're giving me an excuse to watch that movie, I already own. I'm then not. Listen, I don't need it. I'm re- I'm ready to to find any excuse we can to do this movie. Maybe maybe it's a movie that should have had a sequel, and we cover it for that reason. Sure. Um, but, but the reason why I touched on that is because it, it kind of touches base on, like, it, like, sometimes actors should not be at the helm of either directing or writing. And another example would be Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, mm. who was written, in, I think it was written, but I know it was directed by William Shatner. That's true. And that is uh, proclaimed to be the worst one. Yeah, that is the worst one yeah. of that series that I also hope we get to do one day. But and let me say, Fingers that's crossed. saying something because if y'all, if anyone out there has not seen Star Trek: The Motion Picture, it is aggressively boring. Oh man, it is. I agree. Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier would come out two years after this, by the way. So this is around the same time period. Mm. Wow. Wow. Bringing it back to this movie, yeah, we it, talked a little bit about rehashing things, and there are oh a couple of things that I want to talk about, because before today of our recording, I had never, ever seen a movie where someone has taken an elevator and thrown it into space. Now I can successfully say I have seen two, because they did that in Superman 3? Three? Three? Yeah. Or maybe, uh, no, it was two, because two, that was yeah. the discrepancy one. So, yeah, he it. threw the Paris uh, elevator into space, and then he also threw another elevator into space in this one. Yeah. Because that's a thing. And we saw the return of Amnesia Kiss 2.0. Yeah. I mean, like, I just hate how that was done, because I feel like that could have been a callback versus a rehash, mm-hmm. but they turned it into a rehash. Yeah, he uh, dropped... He, first, I still don't fully understand why this happened, but he called Lois over, 
And then he was like, do you want some fresh air? And she was like, some fresh air? Yeah. And this is as Clark. And then they walk over, and then he just jumps off of the ledge with no explanation. And then they fly into space. He's revealed himself as uh, Superman now. And then they come back, and she's like, I remember everything. Well, let's not be too ridiculous. They don't go to space. That's true. They don't go to space yet. That's later. <laughs> they do yeah. fly around the world. Yeah, though. they fly around the world yeah. again like they did in the yeah. first one. So yeah. we went back to the, the, yeah. the, what did I call it? The flying scene or whatever it was called in you the first one. It something crazy like that. I don't that. remember that. Yeah, it I was will, bad. I will say this. I could have missed this entirely, but they seem to fly from Metropolis, which seems to be established as New York. Yeah. And they immediately, the next city they're in is San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I mean, faster than a speeding bullet, y'all. And seems to be going. Eventually, he makes his way back to Metropolis, but I was just like, how? What? What? Very quickly. They're just bouncing around. If he had flown, if we'd seen, like, you know, Europe or China along the way to San Francisco, that might have made sense. Okay, he's making his way. Maybe they just did, like, a little round trip. Like but he went over the 66. fly, he went over fly over the country like, into San Francisco yeah. and then back around what's, and all the what's way. What's upsetting and, and questionable about it is that Superman can handle speeds like that, but a human can't. Yeah, well, she would. Can. She would be. Uh, she right. would just wrecked. Right. She, she would disintegrate. But then they come back to Clark's place, and then he starts talking about like how he's upset, and she's acting like she remembers all of the stuff that happened after the amnesia kiss. From the first one. And so then he <laughs> solves his problem and then amnesia kisses her again. And it's like, why did you unamnesia her in the first place? Just to have input from someone? Yeah, it honestly brings this character into account, I think. It does. He, that's some shit. That scene in particular made him seem like a big jerk. Yes. Which is not Superman. No. But it's like he literally is so selfish that he will reveal and wipe Lois's memory constantly for his own selfish reasons. See, the noisy like cricket was, get wicked on you. Except he was just Superman's sad. lips. I'm exactly. just sad and I want to tell Lois, so he did. And then he's like, well, I gotta wipe you again. I need to speak to her about Superman things because only she can yeah. set me right. But what's wild is there's no real reason for him to keep wiping her memory. Just live with it, yeah. dude. Right. And it's just wrong. It's just wrong to yeah. wipe her memory. You don't know like what side her. effects it has on her brain. Just tell her, look, Lois, you can know I'm Superman. But I can't be with you per- uh, romantically. That would be a, like yes, it's done. It's, like it's he, done to death, but it's a way more impactful. It's, but it's like he knows. Thing. It's like he knows if I reveal myself as Superman, she's gonna want to be with me. So I can't let her know I'm Superman. Yeah, it's because she also is not a great person. No, <laughs> she doesn't care about Clark. She cares. Not well, too not much. in not in the romantic sense. No, she only cares about Clark when she finds out he's she's Superman. Like which is a superhero. Laura. Trope. On Family Matters, she only likes Stefan. She doesn't like Steve, and yet she gets what she wants in the end. That's yeah. some bullcrap right there. Ain't that there. a great reference? That's got to be one, right? right. Like Stefan is clearly a Superman-type hero. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, this really took a the, turn. And Urkel's the Clark Kent. This movie's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Family Matters is not. Family right. Matters, well... Well, sure, any show that goes that long has its moments, it's a different but it's a good show. show. It's a different show. There's an episode where Steve turns Earl, Carl into Steve... And they go on a trip by I'll, themselves. That's two Steves and no family in a show called Family Matters. <laughs> what is that from? That's a. <laughs> you definitely just quoted a bit. I did. Who is who is bit? Cite them. Okay. It's key and feel. Um, but we can talk. I about really Super- just want to talk about Family Matters. Yeah, because it's better. We can talk about Superman's uh, newest power: rebuilding vision. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Rewind vision. Yeah, re- yeah. He's rewind able to vision. rebuild the Great Wall of China that was destroyed with his heat vision. Because that's how construction works, obviously. He also has edit button vision, where whenever he wants, he can just hard cut to himself already in the act of fixing something. (laughs) Bad editing in this film. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mark Pillow, who plays Nuclear Man, can't act. He can't even (laughs) scream. It's not that hard to scream. He looks like an idiot every time that he's on screen. He must have had so little personal charisma that they said, we're literally going to have to dub you with Gene Hackman. Because it's Gene Hackman's voice. Playing Nuclear Man. Yeah. What, what bugged me is that when we first see Nuclear Man, when he's in space, like being born, yeah. and it's like he's glowing orange and he's got that mm-hmm. ridiculous costume and his nails are long and there's lightning going, all I could think is uh, that should have been David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously think David Bowie should have played Nuclear Man. That would have been, been better. Yeah. That would have been really cool. It would have been incredible. That would have been better. Yeah. He's like a space fetus for I'm, like six I'm betting with that budget they couldn't afford David Bowie. <laughs> No, man, David Bowie and Muhammad Ali. The movie we got. Man, 
I'd watch that. I would, I would watch it. That the movie too. we could have had, man. So speaking of things that sound like a bad dub, let's talk about Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy the little Jeremy kid. is kind of the uh, impetus that sets this whole thing in motion a little bit because the the president of the United States has. For reasons not really explained, done this very somber address about nuclear war, mm-hmm. even though no one is fighting. Right. It's like a, I don't, you know, he basically, now I'm thinking back on it, there's no reason for that. He basically just states, look, y'all. Shit's bad. We're not going to. real bad. He goes, yeah. <laughs> we are not going to be second place. We are going to up our nuclear weapon. Yeah. Output. So. And so they, a teacher in turns off the address before we hear what it is which yes. bothered me yeah <laughs> he's like well i wanted to address you today she wanted to so that she could indoctrinate these kids with her liberal agenda <laughs> well, of course and tell them we should write a letter to our congressman and <laughs> once one I'm smart j- kid said i'm joking that'll do or like like they'll listen or something like that even in the 80s one they kid knew was smart and knew that their congressman doesn't <laughs> we need to write to superman but there's jeremy <laughs> Bold, <laughs> courageous, patriotic Jeremy. Outside the box thinker. Who sits yes. in the corner with his head down, looking out past the window, and they go, Jeremy, what do you, you think, think we should do? And he stands up defiantly and says, <laughs> well, there's only one person we could write a letter to, and it's Superman. And I wish Josh was it, doing a funny a voice, voice, but it was pretty much exactly the voice. Thing. It is... We, I, you said it was dubbed immediately. It was. It's, it's very it, dubbed. It looked, if you just looked at it, you could just see the words barely match his mouth. Yeah, it's he had to come back and record it in a sound booth afterwards. And the editors weren't very good. Yep. Yeah. I hope they're not listening. I hope they are. <laughs> they deserve to feel bad. So, so then, yeah, that obviously do. starts. Uh, he writes a letter to the Daily Planet because that's where letters to Superman go, and Superman reads it and is sad. And then that's when he goes to the... Well, no, he doesn't go to the UN because there's another key part where fake news comes into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fake news. The birth of fake uh, news. Superman David, 4. David laughed out loud the hardest at that reveal, so why don't no. you tell us what oh, happens? Oh, okay. So earlier, a little bit earlier in the film, it's revealed that the Daily Planet has been bought by a man named uh, some, Mr. Warfield. And he's yeah, basically... Daddy gonna Warfield. Let, he's going to let his daughter... Name escapes me. I been, I called her Lacey. I'm not confident. No, it was Lacey. it was Lacey Warfield. Probably what was it? Late. Uh, it was uh, Lana Lane. She's probably Lacey Loose. Who knows Lacey what her Loose name Warfield. is? Well, I think her I name was Warfield. Lacey Warfield. Yeah, so I she, like Lacey Loose better. So she. Uh, I'm sure it was Lacey Loose. So she's going to be the new publisher, and the uh, Warfield blatantly says, "Hey, we're not getting enough circulation. You got to print, uh, you know, basically lies or." Sensationalist stuff on the on the on the on the headlines and get some attention on the on yeah. this paper, and they have like one called like America at the brink of war and Clark Kent's like oh that seems a little uh, misleading, and nobody listens to Clark. So Why when uh, <laughs> when this letter becomes revealed, uh, they decide they're going to make this kid into like a local celebrity, the kid who appealed to Superman. So they have a big event in Chinatown. Uh, where they bring Jeremy in from wherever the hell he's from, and they stand him in front of a bunch of microphones. They say, so what do you think about Superman's... Uh, what did Superman tell you? And he, he mumbles, I just wish he was... Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Warfield says, did everybody get that? And like the audience, the people there go, no. That kid just mumbled. No, they didn't, say, they didn't exactly say he just mumbled. But everybody goes, no. And so he stands in the mic and he goes, I just wish Superman had said yes. And then we get the classic newspaper spins into the uh, thing. And it says, Superman says, drop dead, kid. Yeah. And Superman said no such thing. Yeah, exactly. And Clark's blindsided by it because he's like, I did not. And uh, I laughed really hard because it's exactly the kind of sensationalist fake news stuff that you do right? see these days where people just attribute things to people that never were never said or yeah or or or, or uh, twist it in a way where you can say well it's true but yeah. it's not because well, the truth of the matter is that Superman hadn't even responded yet yeah exactly so when and when his, Jeremy says I just wish he'd say yes he's not just saying he's not responded yet uh, so it's it's over the top and so basically Clark feels more or less uh, bullied into now, now having Superman's name besmirched into making a doing it, making a choice. 
Yeah. Stopping nuclear proliferation. So that's what he decides to do. Uh, If you can give credit to anything in this movie, it is entirely on accident. And I think it's the fact... (laughs) No, it is entirely on accident. It's very prescient. It's very before its time. There's there's an interesting uh, subplot of fake news and uh, Russian fear Mm -hmm. that is very... Abundant today, yeah. yeah. Cold yeah. War propaganda. Not that Cold War is anything new. I mean, we were in a Cold War with with Russia for a long time. Mm-hmm. But the mix of Russian red, a, a red scare with a fake a, a fake news thing or is, sensationalism yeah. is wild. What do y'all think about that? Did it? Did that? Did that at least ring true in your head when you were yeah. watching? Yeah. No. Uh, I, oh, you didn't think about that? Well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about that because, like, I. Like in eighty seven, Andrew's I'm, always been afraid of Russia. <laughs> <laughs> but, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> but like, but like in eighty seven, the bad guys, the good Russians can listen. I don't, I don't want to alienate our one Russian friend. <laughs> I'm going to delete this part. <laughs> I love that so many sequel. It's good. Shit! That Andrew, he is the old fake one. news and always Russia. forgets his statements. <laughs> did you think of this at all? Did it? Did it? Did it come oh. to you and be like, "Oh, this is kind of relevant"? So many years later, almost thirty years later, it, it didn't occur to me until till just now. Whenever you mentioned that, I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that actually makes sense." We went from predicting Back to the Future to predicting an actual historical event. It's like these movies are accidentally predicting the future. Yeah. Well, I uh, well the 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 other thing is is that it doesn't. If think if I were to see this back then, I would have. Maybe you've been like, oh well, they're just kind of they're just kind of quoting the Cold War because right at the end, the USSR and the and the USA were nearing the end of their hostilities because uh, I don't know when I don't know when the USSR disbanded. It was some somewhere around the late eighties yeah. because the Berlin Wall came down in eighty nine, I think. But um, but yeah, the uh, the fake news thing. Uh, that totally blew my mind. I didn't. I did not think about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it in some way it is ahead of its time. Maybe Christopher Reeve was trying to tell us something. Yeah, I I kind of thought, and I wrote this down. Uh, they try to fit some fairly serious subject matter into this film, but the people in production of it are so amateurish that it all just comes across super either ham-fisted or not developed at all. So it just feels really weak the way they end up resolving most of this stuff. I I wrote down a few things as they would come up. Sensationalism or fake news, uh, nuclear disarmament, uh, war profiteering. Uh, This one, which is a scene that's entirely, I, I really loved it, but like, I don't know why it's in the movie now. Having seen the rest of the film, the, the death of the small town farmer, Another you know, plot line that was dropped uh, like, was the sale of the Kent farm, yeah. Yeah, Superman's working on selling uh, his old his family's farm, and he has like a very, I, I think, one of the, actually, the one of the better written scenes in the movie. Nice little conversation with this guy about wanting to sell this farm, and Superman says he doesn't want to do that. He wants to hold out for uh, a family or a f- person who wants to work the land and farm it, and he doesn't want to sell, and uh, he uh, pretends to not be able to hit a baseball, and then he cranks one into outer space. Uh, it was actually really nice. And so, like, the only reason to leave that in is because it's the only good, you know, like, I think, objectively okay scene in this entire film. Uh, but it, it goes nowhere. Did you you were going to say something? Let's do it. Well, no, 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 no. The only thing I was going to say on that was when they were playing baseball, it reminded me of when they were playing football in the movie The Room. And We're not turning this into a room podcast. I'm not going to turn that into a room podcast. I just wanted to mention that because I'm like, they're playing baseball. When We're not talking about the room, yeah. It's not bad. Okay. <laughs> the, the, they're playing baseball, and then all of a sudden, they're it just goes away, and it's like, oh, why the hell did that happen? Yeah. Uh, good movie. Uh, yeah. Um, is there any other like parts sticking out that we absolutely must cover before we start to move on to other segments of the show? Because... Ooh, this is a bad movie, and I think we're running out of good parts the only, that are worth talking about because there's not many. The only thing I want to say that I found equally enjoyable was the bad uh, visual effects. Yeah, they the, were really atrocious. They were oh, they were atrocious to the point where you're just like, even 
even bad even bad visual effects artists would say, man, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. there is one shot. If you watch this movie, there is one shot right at the beginning of Superman flying straight at the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, get used to it. Because <laughs> they reuse that shot of Superman flying straight to the camera at least ten times in various settings. In outer space, in a subway, in New York, in... Uh, you know, Kansas, wherever they can stick the shot of Superman flying straight at the camera, they use it. Uh, there's a great shot where uh, he's wrestling Nuclear Man in space, and you can clearly see that even though they're in space, they are standing on a floor. <laughs> and they are, they're held up by strings. Yeah, yeah we, you can this, see yeah, those strings. strings. There's some visible strings, especially on the moon. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite shots is also in the opening, though, when that dude gets wiped out by satellite debris. Oh, that, Lord. that astronaut, That's that was funny. hilarious. <laughs> that made me. Uh, quite happy because this dude's like up there singing in German and he gets waylaid he's by random space debris. Yeah, he's singing in Russian. You he said, said German. German. Oh. <laughs> well, you know. Get your foreign powers straight, Germany, sir. Germany, Russia. They're both on the other Slovakia. side. Just wildly different, whatever. Yeah. Slovakia. It's all the same place. Uh, but the, the, Eastern like, Europe. But like during whenever they were flying through the Grand Canyon and all of a sudden, he just lets Lois go. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. he just drops her, but she kind of flies. She kind of flies. and then she, the- She's falling with style. We went over this. <laughs> I just wanted to real quick run over the Clark Kent Superman double date. Oh, oh love, so bad. How did we forget that? that whole Unless bit. it was by purpose. Now, he tries to, he puts himself in a situation where, like, Lacey Lane is what I'm going to call her. <laughs> she is interested in Clark Kent. Right. And Lois is obviously interested in Superman. Right. So, like, she's going to interview Superman. Well, Lacey is like, Clark, you want to come over and, and watch them do the interview or whatever? And he's like, sure. Rather than just being like, oh, I can't. I'm busy. So he's got to pretend to be Superman and Clark Kent at the same time while pretending to be different people at the same time is dumb. It's real dumb. And then yeah. Lex Luthor obvi- apparently has a frequency that he knows how to find yeah. Superman, which if he has that, that, why doesn't he use that to his advantage to take out Superman? That's a thing that yeah, I feel introduce- like if he was an actual criminal genius, he'd be like, I know how to find him based on this frequency. I can destroy him that way. I, they but inter- no. They introduced that in the first one, I believe. The frequency only Superman can hear. I don't remember and, that. Because uh, I think he even says it that way. Like, I'm talking to you, Superman. Only oh, you can hear this okay. frequency. And that makes sense. However, putting himself on a TV screen in the middle of Times Square doesn't. Like, was he broadcasting for everybody to see? Or was he apparently just broadcasting a, his, yeah. his, apparently his video with a, no audio? there's a frequency in which people can... Or Superman can also only see. Right. Stupid. Um, Real dumb. I do uh, uh, enjoy, for the bad elements, the double date. Um, Surely for one reason. This is the only... I think we could move on after this. I feel like there's only two things worth praising in this film to any real degree. I think uh, the score by John Williams, which they used to death, is still good. And I think Christopher Reeve, for the most part, is still good. That double date yeah. only works for me because Christopher Reeve is actually really good at physical comedy. For a guy who's yeah. kind of like really tall yeah. and really broad, he's actually he does like a almost pratfall slide. Uh, when he got uh, picked up by that uh, bus, uh, 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 the uh, bus boy. What do you call yeah, it? Yeah, his uh, bus. Yeah, bag boy. I don't bag know. boy. You know, like he comes over with the with the trolley and accidentally scoops him up, and he's just oh 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 God. stop. Uh, <laughs> You know, like, it it had me laughing. Uh, It was just, he, uh, Clark is so committed to his gimmick of being hapless doofus that it's, uh, it's, it's uh, commendable that he uh, would even bother. Like, why, exactly like you said, Garrett, why wouldn't you just say, I'm I'm sick, you know, I got to go to my brother's funeral. Yep. Whatever. This chick's not, not. Should have, would have, could have. Just get out of there. All right, uh, so uh, we'll wrap up this part of the conversation by this time. Uh, I'm, everybody just answer with one word at the count of three. Should this movie have been made? One, two, three, no. no. Okay, we don't need to go into it then. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk no. about the box office history, which I believe is very brief. That's very, it's not, there's not much going on. We'll end up talking about other movies more. Superman 4. Debuted July 24th, way back in 1987. Like Josh said, it finished number four with in its opening weekend. 
with a three-day total of $5.6 million. Oh, even in 87, that's bad. That's, yes. Oh, that's it, um, it uh, fit, like I said, finished number four. Number one at the box office that weekend was RoboCop. Hi. Number Great two movie. was a re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, also releasing alongside Superman that weekend and finishing at number three was a movie called Summer School, Superman 4, and then a movie, and then uh, also releasing that weekend was La Bamba, which only finished with one mil, with, excuse me, uh, $30,000 less than Superman. So it almost uh, didn't even make it number five, into the number four spot. Um, also in the theater that weekend, though, was uh, Jaws 4, The Revenge. Uh, two two fours. Think about this. Superman Think about Jones. this. This movie came out the same year as Superman Quest for Peace. Full Metal Jacket. Wow. If you've ever seen Full Metal Jacket, it's a totally different movie. Um, going back now, Superman 4 would go on to make $15 million in the United States during its, ready for this, three-week run. That's they left sucks. this movie in theater for three weeks. I wonder why it got pulled. Three weeks too long. Because uh, probably because it sucks. In its third weekend, it only made a million dollars. I mean, movies stayed out a lot longer back then. They did. True. So it's kind of strange. They leave movie in, movies in for like thirty weeks, but it made it was down to a million dollars in its third weekend. And I wonder if they thought this ain't gonna work. Um, it would go on to finish. Are you ready for this number? This might be one of the lowest numbers I've ever read on here. It would go on to be the 69th highest grossing movie of nineteen eighty seven. Uh, just behind uh, a movie called Over the Top. Did anybody want to guess what number one, the number one movie of 1987 was? Hmm. Is that... Uh, I think Return of the Jedi had already happened, right? It had. That was 83. Is, that, is it Indiana Jones? It is not. It Ooh. does feature an almost Indiana Jones. Somebody is it a Rocky movie? Is it Rocky 2? It is not Rocky 2. Out of Africa? Is it a Rocky? What now? Out of Africa? It is not out of Africa. It is not a Rocky. Uh, is it a franchise? It did have a sequel. Oh, it had a sequel. Oh, guess. Three Men and a Baby. That is the wow. right answer. That is the right Good answer. guess. Three Men and a Baby, starring Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, and Steve Gutenberg. It would have a sequel <laughs> with Three Men and a Little Lady. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if anybody else remembers that movie. But I do. I do. Um, also, in the, in the top ten for that year, Three Men and a Baby, Fatal Attraction, came out in number it was the second highest grossing film that year beverly hills cop 2 good morning vietnam at number four uh james bond's moonstruck number six the untouchables number seven the secret of my success that was not a number film. what moonstruck, moonstruck was not a, no what am i thinking of you're thinking of moonraker moonraker what is moonstruck moonstruck is a share and nicholas cage oh. wildly different okay yeah. sorry I'm thinking, i was thinking of moonraker. i'd like to see a uh, james bond nicholas cage I know he's not British, but... I'd like to see a share James Bond. I just want to see Nicholas Cage things. Not stirred! Uh, <laughs> now that you've done it, I would watch that. You don't say. It's Bond. Uh, so number eight was a movie called Stakeout. Number nine was Lethal Weapon. And number ten, The Witches of Eastwick. You know, uh, Nick Cage was cast as Superman in the 90s in a movie that was never made. By Tim Burton. Yeah. Oh, I like Nicolas Cage more than Tim Burton, I think. In the, in the 90s? Mm-hmm. At least that's all the Tim info, Burton. is a cast in a movie in the 90s with Tim Burton? He was cast in a Superman movie. Oh, in a Superman movie. The, uh, Superman Lives, I believe. Yes, yes, Kevin yes. Smith script. I feel like yes, 90s yes. Tim Burton's okay. I stopped listening yeah, to that. And they, I think so. And they even, like, they even like had him in costume. From yeah. what, no, from what I saw, they canceled the project three weeks before filming was supposed to start. Like, right. it almost happened. Wow. Yeah, it was Kevin Smith wrote it. Uh, this is winning me over. This would have been better than any of these. Yeah, movies. you should you should look into it because the, the original cast was was all the VSQ Universe actors. He Smith wanted Ben Affleck to be Superman. Jason Mewes was going to be in it. Uh, some other of his usual suspects. Jason Mewes would have been Otis. Uh, <laughs> no, I think he was. Silent Jimmy, Bob I think he was Jimmy Olsen. Oh, uh, that makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, so all that kind of mess was in there. Uh, but some of I, the. There's a lot of good stories about Superman movies that could have been. Yeah. This, There's a J.J. Abrams Some script. of the plot to Superman Lives went into uh, Wild Wild West, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's... Probably. Uh, after it started to really hit the fan and uh, Nick Cage dropped out, I believe it said in the year 2000, uh, they offered the role of Superman to Will Smith. Mm-hmm. 
who also, also said, would have been good. Who also said no. And said no to the Matrix. But Will Smith and, and also famously no. has rejected movies that went on to be big successes. Like, true. Yeah, he like does have Matrix. that problem. Yeah, like he's almost Neo. Uh, to finish it out, it's the lowest grossing movie starring Superman. I believe And that. it is the uh, one of the worst uh, uh, comic book movie adaptations of all time. It's 144th. Uh, highest grossing there, and that's out of a list of 170. Uh, but looking at this list I've got here, so it's not good. It's this movie made less money than Howard the Duck, Woo! which okay, did real bad. wow, that's bad. So I, uh, as part of this show's tradition, I don't remember who won last week's game. I think Andrew won it. Did Andrew? I win did it? win. Okay, so yeah, Andrew, pull up the Rotten Tomato score for Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. It's Do we think? Been, here's the question. It's just yeah. been Josh. I know, we, Andrew, t- I know Josh we say that it's gonna. I know, right? We need, we need to step hey, up our game. Up. Well, I know that Andrew saw it last week because in the in Superman oh, two, I he said, he that, said yeah. that. So, like, obviously, there's an asterisk there, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. We no, all know that see, Andrew has a photographic memory. I don't oh know. shit! Yeah, I know. did. Yeah, yeah. Well, you already won. Pull it up. You already done did it. It's okay. Oh, okay. Well, that tells us something. Andrew gave a a big spoiler. Yeah. Who wants to guess first? Oh boy, I'm gonna say seven percent. Ooh. I'm think I'm being generous. Okay. Next. I think it's double digits. I've been joking about twelve for a while, so I'm gonna go with twelve. Oh. Is the funniest number. Oops. I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with 15. Read us the thing. The Superman series bottoms out here. The action is boring. The special effects look cheaper. And none of the actors appear interested in where the plot's going. Yeah, one of us is close. Well, I think we're all close because we're very close. Anybody want to change? No. I actually, 15. I actually am going to bump up to 8. Oh, 7 to 8. No, I'm good. 12. Okay, eight, so 12, 12, 15. 8, 12, 15. The Rotten Tomato score for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, 11%. Oh. Wow. Gary, you almost hit it right on the nail, right on the head. Oh, Bam. Nice. With, cool. a, with an audience score of 16. Audience oh. score that's, 16. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. 11, 11 and 16? Out, out of a total... Of forty-four reviews, critics reviews, critics reviews. Listen, yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna jump into our own personal things here, but I'm so I'm, I'm just right. gonna say it now. I as bad as this movie was, I struggle with it because like I truly hated three, and I think that this is a worse overall movie, but it took itself a little more seriously than three, and so I struggle because like for me. I think that Superman 3 is worse overall as an experience. Uh, I don't think Not so, as yeah. a movie, but as an experience, mm. I would rather watch this one and at least pretend that it's taking itself seriously than 3. I, would rather, I don't want a bad movie that takes itself seriously. I, would I want rather, a bad movie that knows it's dumb. I would but, rather watch But I don't the, think uh, 3 knew it was dumb. I think 3 did. I think 3 knew it I was think, dumb. Yeah. I think Richard Lester did not take I don't think he was the, good at it, but I think they knew. I don't think he took the material seriously at all, and he went, if it sucks, it sucks. Who cares? It's Superman. The only thing This I'll, was like, they like Christopher Reeve, I think, really wanted to make good the mistakes that Superman, the Superman movies had made, and <laughs> yeah. it just didn't work. I think the best of intentions were laid out at the beginning of this film, and then the execution and the budget fell out of it. Yeah. I just want to know what, what they were looking at whenever they looked at the script, and they decided, we're going to film this. And, I don't know. Uh, and you know, what what constitutes like, oh, this is going to look great on, great on screen. Yeah. And clearly, it's bad. I mean, yeah. everybody, everybody hated it. Everybody hated it. Eleven percent of people liked it a lot. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. Can't say everybody. But uh, no, I, I think if I had to choose between this movie and a dog having diarrhea, I'd want to watch having the dog have diarrhea. Whoa, that's nasty. Okay, so sorry, but uh, that's kind of where I go with it. How, out of five nuclear bombs, how many bombs is this? Oh, five because it bombed that nah, many times. Oh, but, we're not doing it that way. Power. Oh, uh, one. Uh, oh, it's a half for me. Yeah, it's a solid half for me, too. This movie uh, is just barely more entertaining than what I said last week, which is a blank screen during the same amount of time. Andrew? I would give it I would give it a one because it's so bad it's good. No, that's Superman 3. I don't know about that. I, would, I think I this mean, was so bad it hurt. I would, wa- I would watch it just to, just to laugh at it. 
I wouldn't and maybe, and maybe learn from it. Oh, I, you will never see me watching this movie again. No. I, no. Realistically, you will never see me watching any four of these movies again. No. I would be fascinated. Oh, no, the Richard Donner cut's pretty good, Superman. Is it? I might. Well, I haven't watched that <laughs> it's one. It's pretty good. I haven't watched that one. <laughs> there is a. Andrew was looking at the back of this box set there that, is that a we commentary. have here. There is a commentary. It nope. says here for Superman 4. So I would be interested yes. to see what somebody has to say in defense of this. It's just but an hour and a half long repeat of someone saying, I'm sorry, I'm w- sorry, I'm sorry, I'm I sorry. Like Joel Schumacher for Batman and Robin? I guess. If he did that, sure. He actually yeah. did on the commentary. I would All hate right. to watch the movie, though, just to hear that. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up Superman 4. I'm sorry. <laughs> do we, we want to rank these four? Because we're going to do Superman Returns, but that's technically different, right? I, I mean... I don't care anymore. <laughs> Yeah, sure, rank them. Uh, uh, you got the Donner cut, so I feel like man, you have a special. I, mean, I know, I have a... It's literally, is it two or one first? Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to... Two, one, three, four. I'm, I'm going to... Since I have not seen the Donner cut, I'm just going to go one, two, three, four. Yeah. I'm going to say one... No, I'm going to say three, one, two, four. Okay, just stop. James really bad. <laughs> I don't even want to hear your explanation. Three is I laugh. Okay, it's it's, it's so crap, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, and one is good. That's enough. Ish, and two is not you good. Can stop now. <laughs> you're still talking, and no one cares that's, about that's what enough. you're saying. You've no lost your privileges. One, two, yeah. I am going you're to done. say that the Donner cut that I didn't watch is my favorite, <laughs> and then Superman one, and you then the, Superman one. I hate them all. <laughs> literally hate them all uh superman 2 that i watched and then that's where my list stops okay well there you have it then uh a collection of movies that aren't really that good (laughs) so next week we're gonna wrap up superman with superman returns the 2006 film starring uh brandon routh as superman this is a kind of an homage sequel to uh, the first two movies, this is a this is a sequel that ignores three and four. Good, it's considered a like I said, an homage type of sequel to two, not a direct one, but you get the picture. So we're gonna throw it in for fun, and just because I think it's the best Superman movie of the bunch, and that's not great. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think it was widely unappreciated. Now, at if its you time. want, I mean, we could we could do the the Adventures of Lois and Clark TV show if you want to keep going on. So that's gonna be a Dean Kane's gonna be here, ladies Dean and gentlemen. Kane. Dean Kane. Did he say does that? Dean Kane? Dean? Yeah. Kane. Dean Kane? He's going to tell us a pop expo in September. Or is it November? It's November. You know what I'd watch? I'd watch a Dean Kane Superman movie with Bill Goldberg as Lex Luthor. Oh, man. I would. I'm going to pitch it at Tulsa Pop Expo. I'm going to see if it's going to happen. We'll see. I'm going to try to get a meet and greet with both of them and be like, listen, guys, I think you should get together and pitch this because I'd watch it. Let's move out. On a, on, a, on a better note, uh, on a better note, Aquaman just debuted on HBO now. So I know oh, what, good. I know I can what see I'm going to Jason like Momoa coming here for Wizard World. He's going to be, be yeah. here. Know you can meet him. Let's no throw one. him in this DC universe with Deegan Kane and Bill Goldberg and get it going. Good year yeah. for for Comic Con. But now he's playing Lobo in Tulsa. Okay. Uh, we'll be back next week with Superman Returns. As always, you can find us online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod, as well as Instagram and Twitter. We're always active on those things. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are streamed, uh, including the special, fun, very awesome Soundstooth app mm-hmm. that you can find. Uh-huh. Just Google Soundstooth. It's a free app. Lots of local curated content, stuff that um, you won't find collected in other apps. They're all collected for you right here. Uh, again, shout out to them for letting us use their studio for this episode. We hope it's the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Until next time. To quote Christopher Reeve from his autobiography, the less we talk about Superman 4, the better.